My name is the Reverend Sean Amos, and this is The Cause of It All. The first blues festival I ever went to was the Long Beach Blues Festival in 1989, and John Lee Hooker was one of the headliners. And I didn't know it, but that really began my blues journey. Uh, From that moment on, I became a real serious student of the blues and bought every book I could and bought every album and and, uh, listened to uh, Nothing But the Blues, the great... uh, a weekend show uh, in Los Angeles and Long Beach. And I just began this journey of trying to figure out who I was and where I came from through the blues. That journey has led me to The Cause of It All, an album that's coming out on May 21st. And it is a collection of blues standards uh, that have inspired me, that have guided me, uh, and is my chance to connect some more dots, fill in some more pieces of the puzzle, call the ancestors into the room, and help me continue on uh, into this uh, owning, this deeper identity of my, of my blackness, of my, of, my, of my heritage, of my ancestry, of, of my uh, generational uh, pain and wounds that I'm looking to heal, that the blues does such a good job of, uh, of mending for me. So, this conversation is, uh, I guess, the cause of it all, <laughs> of the cause of it all, was Zakia Hooker, John Lee Hooker's daughter. Uh, we met briefly when I got the pleasure and the honor of uh, co-producing uh, John Lee Hooker's career box set called Hooker on Shout Factory when I was an executive at Shout. And we uh, reconvene here years later. Uh, she is a soulful, deep, spiritual woman. We talk a lot about lineage, a lot about... Uh, how you live with the parents' legacy, how you carry that forward, uh, and how that burdens you to some degree. Uh, she's a great conversationalist, uh, and you can feel her heart and her spirit uh, come through the speakers. So enjoy uh, this conversation with Zaki Hooker on the cause of it all. How are you? I'm good and yourself. Oh, I'm well. I'm well. I just uh I just came back from Minnesota. I had this uh I'm, I'm glad we're having this conversation today because I came back from a family reunion of sorts uh, over the weekend. Oh a family reunion. <laughs> it was deep. <laughs> family was, can be deep, trust me. Oh man. It was uh, I I have um I have some half siblings, and so my, my father was married uh, three times. So I have two. I have two brothers from the first marriage. I'm from the second marriage, and oh, then there's a daughter from the third marriage. And so my two brothers, my older brothers, um, I haven't seen one of them in over God, close to 15 years. Oh wow! And then he has three adult children, and oh, I haven't wow. seen them for 25 years, maybe. A blended family. Oh man, and I have a daughter, I have three kids, but my own and my oldest daughter's never met any of them. So I brought her with me and I was just crying the whole time, man. It was, it was, <laughs> oh, it was so heavy. It was so heavy. I know that was probably just awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it, oh, it was, it, wow. it, it, it fit some of the pieces of the puzzle, you know, together for me. Yeah. So yeah. That's always good when you can see that puzzle going together when you meet. 
family, you know, that you haven't ever seen. Or, Crazy, man. And yeah. that's like, that's kind of with, the, with our history, you know, because it's, I've, I've been doing some ancestry work and trying to you know, mm-hmm. figure stuff out. But when you're black in America, it, it's hard to figure out where you're from. <laughs> where you're from. And then when you do start doing it, you find out there, you've got all kinds of mixtures in your, in your, in your ancestry and in, oh, yeah. in the background. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, when people talk about my dad's music and the rhythms that he played, you know, he truly is a connection between Africa and America. Absolutely. Sound, the moaning and the, the, the heartbeat, the rhythm, you know, and as a youngster, I never knew what it was. It was just very hypnotic. Yeah, I, <laughs> I was gonna ask you because I grew up. I don't, you know, I don't know if you know who my father is. But my, my he's not a musician, but he was in the music business. He was uh, an agent uh, at William Morris Agency. <clears throat> he was the first black agent in the music business, and so he booked all the Motown acts, and uh, he signed Simon and, Simon and Garfunkel, uh, and then he started a company called Famous Amos, a cookie company. And so ah, that's your, yeah. your that's my dad, Famous Amos, yes, and ma'am. then they stole the name. They she did him out of the name. That's a whole other story. Well, he, uh, yeah, he, he had he played some role in well, that. I mean, he, that, he let himself get cheated. That out of it. is the story of 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 any most artistic black artists. Oh yeah, whatever in America back in the day, our culture has kept America afloat. Yep, it has given them a culture of their own that they that they can claim. Not that they can claim it, but it is not really theirs. It's mm. without us, they wouldn't have a culture. Yeah, they wouldn't have a cult. And I watched them go through, and this is your colonials, white white people. Um, they they not only take our culture, but they will search out a culture and change it. It's like the Asian culture. And it, it's like the Indian culture. And they take it and they change it into something that resembles that is easy for them. Because if they had to do the original thing. They could not do that. Yep. Yeah, we are. Uh, we've given a lot of gifts and haven't uh, been given much in return. Yeah, for, for, for the most part. Yeah, given a lot of gifts. So you know, it's so so. so I, I mentioned that about my dad because when you talk about so you heard this music growing up and it's like now you realize as an adult, oh my God, he was like connect. Your father was a connection between Africa and you know and American rhythms and and, and the, those drums. And I, I, but you're a kid. It's like at what point did you realize? that you were witnessing something that, that mattered, you know, versus just witnessing someone playing music. Cause I, I've, I've been around a lot of like you know, musicians. My, my, when I was growing up, my dad had musicians over and, you know, his clients and things. And I look mm-hmm. back at it now and think, Oh my God, the things I witnessed. But yeah. you know, as, as a kid, I'm like, eh. <laughs> yeah. this is, this is just my dad. This is his job. These guys come over, they practice and rehearse, and then they go out and he goes to work. He takes care of us. He puts food on the table. This is his, well, not nine, it's, it's a nine to five, but it's nine at night to five in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I get it. I mean, yeah. So what, so what point did you, what, what point did you look back at and say, oh my God, I, I, this, this, this mattered, matters. Like you said, I was a child, so you know, I didn't really hit me. And then. I got married, you know, young, 19, uh, and then life took over. And so, you know, I moved out and my dad, you know, was doing his music and doing whatever. And I was so consumed with, you know, raising children. I had three sons and I raised them by myself at the end of the day. But 
that's what I was consumed in. At that point, I knew that he was someone special. And I knew that his music was, you know, just something that people gravitated towards. I didn't know why, but I know that they gravitated towards it. When I understood, really, really, really understood who he was, what his music was, when he passed away. And to see the influx of newspapers all over the world with the headlines, John Lee Hooker is gone. It was like, God, it was awesome to me. But every time I read it, it was very heart-wrenching because he was gone, you know? And, uh, but that's when I realized he is an absolute icon. Because like I said, you know, life kept me from really following the progress. I, I lived with his music. I was always around me. But I didn't, I viewed it through a very small lens. Yeah. And not that broad lens that the world was looking at him. Sure, in. sure. It's still amazing. <laughs> it's a gift that he, keeps giving. He, you know, he says the blues will never die. And he was right. He was correct. And, you know, we are truly, truly blessed in that all we have to do is turn on the radio or turn on the TV and we see him all over again, hear yeah. him all over again, you know, to have that flood of memories that come into you. And so that's how we are blessed. So you, your life took you different paths and you have three kids. Do you have your boys? Do you have three boys? Mm-hmm. Well, there are two alive. I lost my youngest one in 91 when he was 20. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll be a accident. Yeah. And then how old are your two other boys who are around? Glenn, the oldest one, is 54. <laughs> oh, there's no way. <laughs> you're like a kid when you're like two. <laughs> <laughs> and... The next one, Maurice, is uh, 52. Oh, man. And then I have three grandsons and three great-grandchildren. And looking fine. Look at you. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Those hooker jeans. <laughs> you know, those people. And it was so funny. I was, I was talking with a friend of mine who I worked with. And I was telling her, you know, I just celebrated a birthday, you know, April 1st. I was 37. Oh, my God. My brother's birthday is April 1st. Shut the brother, up. the brother I went to go visit, who I hadn't seen, you know, close to 15 years, turned 62 <laughs> on April 1st. Well, I turned 73. Man, I'm, I can't believe you're 73 as a kid. I got my brain around that. Wow. Wow. Yeah. What, what do you, I mean, do, do, how do you take care of yourself? Seriously. <laughs> I mean, people ask me, and wait, my husband always teases me because I'm a hypochondriac. But what I do is I'm very careful about, you know, I don't smoke, I don't drink. Yep. I make sure I take all the vitamins and everything that I need. I'm, 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 a, I'm a part-time veg vitamin person. All I right. do it when I think about it. Yeah, but yeah, me too. Part, but for the most part, I eat very well. I love fruits and vegetables, you know, and I just take care of my skin. I, you mm. know, I don't, I'm not in the sun. When I'm in the sun, I wear a hat and I love working outside. Well, I have to be very careful. I've got a beekeeper's hat that, you know, so the bugs can't get me while I'm now, out you're there. You're in Georgia now, right? Yeah. When, so you, when we when we were working on the project together, you were living in Oakland still, yeah. right? Yeah, in California, yeah. Yeah, so mm-hmm. when did you move to Georgia? I've been in Georgia now, well, we bought the home 13, 14 years. Oh, wow. But I've only been here about eight years. And yeah. you're near Atlanta? What, what part of the state are you in? I'm in a little hick town called Douglasville, Georgia. 
Douglasville, Georgia. All right. Uh-huh. Population 20. <laughs> <laughs> well, it used to be 20, but everybody's flocking here. You know, that's how they turn Georgia blue. Yeah, try yeah. to people like you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. And they said, those people from California, well, we've been here a long time. It just took us this long to finally get enough of us here to flip it. Yeah. Yep. Hope, hope it keeps going. They're doing their damnedest oh. to, to make it a one-time shot, but man. Oh my God. They are doing everything. But you know, the harder they work to stop us from doing something, the harder we work to get it done. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah I we, love we, Stacey Abrams. <laughs> oh man. She is like the godmother of Georgia. <laughs> is on her job right now yeah getting it together yeah no i'm glad we have her man she's uh such a beautiful part of that legacy yeah just oh, uh, isn't she? yeah you 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 so you went this different way and you raised kids and then at some point you did come back to it you know, as, as an artist in your own right and i've listened to your music over the last few days and i love it and you have this sort of it's funny because you know your father like rarely went off the one and then and, and you go through it, but it still feels like it, it feels like the tranquil sort of hugging you know, version of your dad's groove. Yeah, you know? because your dad's grooves are menacing and like you want to watch look around your corner. But your things have this I feel that same, you know, I feel that same rhythm, you know, even though the structure well, of the songs are different. That's because if they left me to my own devices, it would be like his. It would be. <laughs> <laughs> What I love about his music, he sang what he felt, how he felt it. And I think that's what happens. People fall so into just, this is the way it should be. Yeah. Why can't you just sing and just, if you want to change here, change there. He was pure change expression, it. man. He was pure expression. Yeah, I, I mean, we, we covered um, on this album we have coming up, we covered a bunch of old blues you know, stuff and I, I cover uh, Serves Me Right to Suffer. <gasps> and... Uh, which I mean, that song. I got to tell you a story about that song later. But I mean, that that song, that song saved my life, man. I mean, and just a few years ago, that song saved my life. Oh wow! I guess my point is, when you are doing a song that's just pure expression, right? And it's so in the moment, and it's like the expression overrides the structure of the thing, right? He's almost like a free form jazz artist, you know? Yeah. And uh, that's like the only way to cover that, for me at least, was to. You know, allow myself, you know, the freedom to just express myself freely and not worry about whether I was hitting this thing or not hitting this thing. It's mm-hmm. like how, because that's the courage. You know, the courage is how do you just sit in your own experience and share it with everybody as vulnerable as it may be, as ugly as it may be, as, 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 as truthful as it may be. That's the only way I could sing that song. And it made me realize that it's easy to drift from that. You know, when you get into like the Lucille, the BB King covers, or I mean, and not to mention any of those people. You know what I'm saying? When you when you're doing like a an entertainment blues thing, right? Yeah. You know, you're, it's you're, you're stuck. Yeah, you are stuck in a pattern. You're in that box. Exactly. And, and you, you know, the beauty of my dad is he would he was out of the box. They had to build their boxes around him. Yeah, <laughs> and you look. I saw him play the Long Beach Blues Festival one year, and you see the band like man. <laughs> Where is he going to go? <laughs> and wait, the funny thing about it is when I hear his music, I know where he's going to go uh-huh. because I know he's not going to come in on one. He's going to come in how he feels, yeah. how the song feels to him. Yeah. And, and like I say, if they left me to my own devices and doing music, that's what I would do. Well, I want to hear that. You just sing. And, and when you feel like you want to make a change, make a change. Yeah. 
that it's free. It's, I mean, he, that the, the freedom is really, to me, the most profound thing about him, that he was so profoundly free. Amazing. Because, you know, I, I, I don't, I play guitar, but I'm not some virtuoso. You know, I play enough to, you know, I know my chords, but whenever I start, <laughs> they have to bring me back because I'll get to playing and I'm gone. You know, no, kid, you got to do it four times. Why? I cannot do this three times. Do yeah. something. <laughs> That's your dad in you. Yeah. And, and so, and I love that because you're not trapped. You know, you're, like you say, it's the freedom. Yeah. yeah, to, yeah. To, to, to share with people what you're feeling and how you're feeling. So yeah. that that makes me think like you know, so how do you you know now that you play music like where do you see your responsibility you know to yourself versus your responsibility to your father's legacy versus your responsibility to you know the blues you know as as a as a as an art form and do you do, do you sort of does that weigh on you in any way any any consciously or unconsciously well so far as where I see myself going, I think, you know, sometimes you can hit a, a wall in your playing and, and I'm, it may not be so much a wall as it is me being hard on me and, and not realizing that I don't have to do it. Like, I, you know, all that shredding and loud stuff, I don't have to do that. But then sometimes I'll feel inadequate because I can't do it. Mm, I, I go the same trip, man. I go the same trip. Jesus Christ. And then you have to catch yourself and say, sketch. Okay. This is for the entertainment of yourself and for you to share with people. Yeah. So if it's just you strumming and singing along with it, hey, people are in, I realize people are really enthralled by that. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I think what people I think I feel a responsibility to to actually get up off my knees and do it like I want to do it because that is paying homage to my dad. Yeah, absolutely. That's the best thing you, you know, the best gift you could give him. Yeah, that's the best gift. And so far as the, the world, you know what I well then I just want to be able to sit down, play, and have people listen. Yeah. And listen to my stories because uh, I, I did a, a CD, a horrible time to do it, last year, April, released. We put ours out April last year as well. The middle of the doggone I, I know. We, the ship had sailed, man. We couldn't pull it back. And, and like, this, uh -uh, no, you can't pull it back. It's just out there drifting around. But the, if you, it's called Legacy. I heard it. I've, I've listened to it. And I wrote all those songs. Oh, I didn't know that. Right on. Mm -hmm. I wrote all the songs on my little guitar. And uh, all off, off the beat, you know, where we're supposed to be, you know, yeah. just off the beat. And so I work with my husband, Owen. And so he does my producing. And so he and Tony, they take it once I give it to them and they figure out, you know, they'll put in where I, it needs to go. Mm -hmm. Not that I think it needs to go anywhere, but they'll, you know, put it. And so you've heard it. And so you heard what was done with it. Yeah. And each of those songs is like a story, actually based on things, because that's how I write it. You know, that's how I write. I write on experiences, Got it. things that I've seen, and, and, you know, my life, friends' lives, and things that I may hear 
you know, people talking about that are, you know, happening in their lives. And I may take, may just take a little short sentence or just a saying that they've said, and then I'll build around that. Yeah, that's what all great writers do, man. You know, great, great writers are great listeners. So you say legacy, I mean, like, well, what, how, what is your relationship with your father's legacy and how, and what has it been over the years? Because I know like with my own father, you know, there's been moments where I, I didn't want anyone to know, you know, who the hell my father was, you know, because I wanted to build my own thing. There's, been, there's been moments when I was frankly, you know, fairly shamelessly opportunistic about it. And there's been moments when, you know, when, when I sort of feel like, oh, I'm really proud of him. And I see, I could see a point where people don't remember who he is. And I, and I want to make sure people remember who he is. Um, so it's, it's, it's a complicated relationship. So I wonder, I wonder what your relationship has been. That's, that's just what it's like. You know, on one hand, you don't want to have people thinking she's riding on the coattails of her dad, you know? And so, you know, and it was hard for me to get from behind that shadow because people were always always going to associate me with him. It was so bad at one point. My name was, that's Jolly Hooker's daughter. Yeah. I was the cookie kid. I mean, forever. I hear the cookie kid. Jesus Christ. And, and then there's the part of you that is so proud. And like you say, you'll ask people, you know, you want these young people to know, because that's part of their history. Your dad is their history. My dad is their history. They should know this. Yeah. You could ask some little white kid out there and they don't know who Famous Amos is and they don't know who John Lewis is because they have been taught that, you know, it's like a conundrum. How are you going to get our children to know their history, know these people who paved the way for them? I was in the store the other day at a movie lab. I was talking about the black exploitation movies. Mm -hmm. And I asked this young kid, I said, do you know who Jim Brown is? <laughs> Blank. No. Oh, no, I don't know who that is. I said, yeah. you really don't. I said, you need to get on your computer and when I leave here and you need to look up Jim Brown. <laughs> Jim Brown used to come into my dad's cookie store. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I remember him coming. He used to come in. He was, uh, he, he loved those cookies. <laughs> no, it's true, man. You know, the, the history dies unless you fight to keep it alive. You know, then there's no guarantee yeah. anyone's going to remember anything 10, 20, 40, 50 years from now. You, you have to fight oh. to keep, keep it alive. They'll remember Socrates and Plato and all those people, but yeah. they won't remember their history exactly their exactly but i hear and you also i hear yeah you're, you're a jazz singer i, I mean oh, i mean you're, you're you're more of a jazz singer than a blues singer to me and, and that was was fun listening to you when, when say, I oh, wow. fairies, that's what i do i do jazz yeah i do all the old standards summertime uh -huh. autumn leaves sentimental journey i love that but then when you start putting it together you know blues is blues and jazz when you oh, yeah you know, oh yeah no, but mine is more jazzy blues yeah no it was fun it, it, and, and it's like how, how you've sort of uh it, to me it, it's like a natural extension of your father you know because your, your father had such his his phrasing right and his timing were so you could say they're jazz mm -hmm. in a way right because he wait so he's not gonna come on the one he's gonna come on the three or he's gonna push this you know phrase a little further he's gonna drag this phrase a little bit behind i mean he's just slipping around the beat you know like all the time right that's a total jazz singer mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I assume that's why Van Morrison loved your father so much because Van's like a, yeah, so sings that same I know, way. you know, that I am potentially a jazz singer. I know that. And I just haven't run into a good jazz band to, to work with. In BA, there are jazz musicians everywhere, so I get to, to do it. Yeah, it, 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 it's beautiful. It, it's a, to me, it's a real natural extension. Like, okay, if you sort of like, you know, re 
if you reincarnated your father as like a you know a, a female <laughs> black female musician that's that's yeah. who he'd be he'd be you <laughs> yeah <laughs> well that makes sense of course okay but <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's all there's order in the universe yeah and i'm always my biggest critic about you know it took me a long time to really appreciate what i sound like you know i think we all go through that god i mean i, I didn't yeah and so it was like oh why can't i sound like that oh why can't i sound like that because god made us all unique yeah man and that's the beauty of it Remember that old song if everybody looked the same we get tired of looking at each other oh no that's not what's that song it's a song. That, if everybody looked the same, we get tired of looking at each other. It's excuse. <laughs> you need to find that. Song. That's it. Yeah, that's it. I was thinking about this one with my brother this weekend, and my my brother and his uh, his daughter got into an argument, and what during during this weekend at one point, and I'm looking at my brother, I'm like, oh my gosh, he's he's our father. He's he just like the way he was sort of you know, behaving and then sort of some of his body language. I'm like, oh my God, he's our father. And so I start, you know, I, and we, you think about this a lot. I think about it, we being me and my brother, sort of the things we carry of our father inside of us, and good and bad. You look like your father. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. more darker than you, but you look just like him. Yeah. I walked in the room when I first, this weekend, this uh, this uh, reunion, and I and uh-huh. my daughter drove up. It's like we flew to Minneapolis, four-hour drive to where he lives in northern Minnesota. Get out of the car, walk in to see him. He's like, "You look like a white Wally Amos." <laughs> I'm oh. like, "Man, you gonna greet me that way?" <laughs> I haven't seen you in ten plus years. That's how I can start this conversation. <laughs> like a white Wally Amos. <laughs> oh man, come on. <laughs> So I always think about that, like, you know, what am I, what am I carrying around to my dad? You know, like good and bad, right? Like you know, the things I'm proud of, the things I wish I could just get rid of. And I'm wondering, what do you carry around in your, in your, like, what part of your father sort of, you know, what parts of him live in you? I look like him. And, you know, when I take these glasses off and just get dressed up and if I, because I used to wear my hair really, really short and I dyed blonde, <laughs> platinum blonde. I saw some of those photos. I saw was John Lee Hooker with platinum blonde hair. <laughs> <laughs> but at first I used to it used to really irk me because I'm thinking, how can a girl look like her daddy? Look like a man. You know, and I was like, what the hell? Would you stop saying, you know? But then I realized, you know, I do look like him. So I I embrace. You embrace. Yeah. Learn to yeah. embrace it. Is there anything like personality traits or, or musically even? Or do, you, do you sort of like if you're recording or if you're even sort of like in the market, you're like, oh my God, I'm just like my father there. I think my personality is more like his. And that's a personality because my father was just uh, such a good and he was a little humble man. He was a humble, very humble, sometimes humble to a fault. And I always wanted to help people in quiet moments. His music is what I have in my mind. It's yeah. It's totally traditional blues that runs through my head in a quiet moment. Yeah. And I drag way back there to even before the electric, I go back to the acoustic. I was just him. And that's how I love to do things. I like, you know, doing it. I love just guitar and myself. Yeah. I did a, a we, I was traveling in Canada. My guitarist and I, we did it uh, totally acoustic uh, in the pines. Oh man, nice! Yeah, love that tune. Guitar and vocals. 
Well, I love your father's acoustic planes. It is, it is, it is true because most people think of him as you know the big hollow body and sort of you know the, the electric boogie thing. But uh, because it was his voice that was mesmerizing. He was not the greatest guitar player. A guitar was just something for him to as can do it to for him to express himself, his his words that he needed to get out. And it's so funny to watch people say, Well, he played this chord and this chord and he did this and he did that. Daddy would care less. As long as I'm playing it and my song is fitting this, I'm yeah. I'm fine with that. I could get my story out to you. I can tell you how I feel in the moment or in the past or what I might feel in the future because the guitar was just his prop. That instrument was amazing of his. I mean, amazing instrument. Just, uh, wow. And there's not a lot of singers who, not a lot of singers who can do that. You know I mean? Who just can draw you in, you know, like Billy mm -hmm. Holiday, you know, could do it. And Nina yeah. Simone could do it. It, it. Just the way they, they, they sound, but you know, it's just, I mean, I used to go to his shows and I would sit in the front row and I'd get mesmerized. <laughs> you know, this is my daddy. I'm like, uh, she, she's deep, man. I mean, I, the, 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 mojo, the mojo was heavy with that one. Yeah, because he would get so deep into his music. Yeah. And I, he was so deep and I knew the songs that he's singing. I lived through the era that he wrote those songs. So I understood what they were about, really. Yeah, you know, that makes me think. How did the music sort of form your relationship about race? Because for, for, for me, I told you how I played blues in, you know, in, in Italy you know, back in 2012. That sort of changed me. And, and, and part of it was because I, I sort of could understand my own blackness. I could understand my own, not only my own personal relationship with race, but, but America's relationship you know, with race and through, through blues, it, it, but it was, it was late for me. Yeah. You know, I, I did not have a father who was a blues musician. So I'm wondering like how, how is, and not just his music, but blues in general and his music is part of it. I mean, how's it really, to what role has it played in your sort of views about race and your own race? And I'm kind of like you because we were pretty much sheltered coming up. We were sheltered from it. We didn't, you know, know that there were any, the people out there who hated us because of our skin color. Uh, all the, 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 I remember uh, when I went to high school, that's when I realized the separation. Our yearbook was called The Aryan. Oh, man. Where was this? In Detroit. Wow. In Detroit. Oh, Detroit was a very, 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 very racist place. I mean, there was a city called Dearborn, Michigan, that you were not supposed to be there after dark. Yeah. Okay, we talked about in the 60s. Okay. And uh, so that's, I, you know, knew then, but I still was not, it, we learn, we stay where we are and they stay where they are. Yeah. We don't bother each other. We just, you know, I remember the first time I was called the N-word was when I moved to California. Me too. In Alameda, California. Hollywood, California. Hollywood, California. I was minding my own business, putting my grocery in the car, in the shopping area, and this big, you know, monster truck drives by with these stupid white boys in it. And, and they, mom screamed out and told me, uh, nigga, get out of here, get out of town. I said, oh, and you know, I'm about, I'm only 4'11". At the time I must've weighed about 98 pounds. Okay? <laughs> I ran behind this big truck <laughs> screaming, you're a nigga, your mama's a nigga. And you know, 
I could have turned around and run over me. I <laughs> How old were you? I must have been in my 20s. Oh, my maybe God. 20s, early 30s. Man, well, good on you. You took it that long to hear it. And man. Uh, uh, yeah. and, 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 um, but I've always been in connection. For some reason, I don't know why, but I've always been connected to my blackness. Always. So your journey, yeah, so it sounds like blues has, um, in some respects, your relationship with blues is, is no different than you know, anyone's relationship with blues, you know, and, and that it, it, it's there, it's, it, it's out there in the sort of ether and it, 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 it came to you when you sort of needed it, but, but the inside, like the front row seat you had, so to speak, oh. and it's similar to me, it's like, people, oh, you know, you must have like, you know, eaten cookies your whole life or something. It's like, well, no, because they're always around. So why? Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's like, you know, you have, you have this. We don't appreciate it. We, we take yeah. it for granted. Yeah. We take it for granted until we get older and understand really what a jewel we have. So where do you see your father in the world today? Like in, in what music do you, do you, do you hear like sort of other kinds of music or whether it's, or, or even actors? I mean, where, where sort of in the culture, you know, do you sort of see him living and breathing still? It's so amazing now because, um, it, you know, there's a NCIS New Orleans, there's a movie, his music is the theme for that show. All right on. And every year, he gets this award for that song, you know, for that show. But he has more music than any blues artist in movies on television. Wow. His music has been more of them than anybody. So distinctive. Yeah. He will always be a viable. I think when I'm gone, when my children are gone, he'll still be viable. And the blues is so funny because it can go and kind of fade down, but then you look around and there it is again. Yeah. True, and I watched the young kids, you know, take snippets of his music and put it into their music. And, and you know, there's a group called uh, St. Germain. Oh, yeah, sure. And they did one. And I don't know if you've heard the one that they did with him. I haven't. Oh, God, what's the name of it? It is beautiful. Yeah, I can look it up. Yeah, look up St. Saint, Germain. Saint Germain. Yeah, I never knew they covered and, your father. That's cool. Uh-huh. It. It's awesome. I mean, and this was, I don't know how many years ago, and it has all of a sudden become, boom, it's back. Yeah, it's true you about know? the blue. It's like cyclical. It seems like there's, you know, I, you're sort of like counted out for dead. Like you think, oh, that's it. And then it's sort of, I don't, but people, you know, it's like. Yeah, no, no, people do. It, just, right. it, just, it virtually disappears from like the musical conversation, you know, at times. And then all of a sudden, it comes right back again. Mm-hmm. I started noticing blues concerts, blues festivals. They were always full of white blues artists. This is my pet peeve. Yeah. It was like, wait a minute, is yeah. this a blues concert or some rock blues or yeah. some uh, I don't know what what do we call shredding blues? Yeah, yeah, I <laughs> hear you, man. I hear you. Well, there really are two blues. I mean, there there's like there's really what's happening in blues, and then there's what you said very accurately, which is you know, who these sort of tastemakers decided to pull up, put basically into a pop rock scene and call them blues artists. Yeah. You know, but so the, but the, the, the whole spectrum of the blues world gets like a fraction of that spotlight. People, I mean, they just have forgotten traditional blues. Mm -hmm. And it is such an awesome thing because when you sit and listen to traditional blues, you're hearing the story and you're, you're, they're taking you there someplace that they were and you you're envisioning it and uh it's it's amazing 
it's storytelling. I mean, it, it, at its most elemental form, as far as I was talking with my niece over the weekend uh, about blue, about, you know, speakers and sort of storytelling tradition. And I was saying to me, you know, public speakers, like the great orators like Martin Luther King, you know, Malcolm X, you know, Barack Obama, um, the great storytelling musicians like your father, uh, like, God, uh, you know, Howlin' Wolf, even to some degree, you know, like Odetta, you know, like Nina Simone, too. I, I've never said her name before, but, you know, that, that musical storytelling, and then, and then comedians like Richard Pryor, you know, Dave Chappelle. I mean, to me, that is really the core of like African and American yes, storytelling tradition. You, you can stand in front of this audience and you can open yourself up and you can bring them into you and you can tell them about your life yeah. and tell them about things going on. And people love that. Yeah. When you make them part of you. It's brave. I mean, it's, it's brave. And I think that's what I'm so, I guess why, that's why I discovered when I first started singing the blues it's what I rediscovered in doing this record and covering your dad's song and covering other songs. It's like, wow, mm. like it, it, it is my, it takes practice and it's my responsibility to keep myself, my heart open like that, you know, and, and to put myself forward in that way. Uh, Cause the, it, it takes a lot of bravery and it, it's hard, man. And so like to people like your dad who did their entire lives and night after night and bared their soul like that. And to a guy like Chappelle and you know, he can go on and on and on. I mean, wow, that is, um, that is a brave, brave, difficult way to live. <laughs> and it's really almost a catharsis for the person doing it because they're putting it out there and instead of keeping it inside. Because a lot of people keep things inside and that's it's not a good thing sometimes. Yeah, yeah. That's why you look as good as you do. <laughs> <laughs> you don't keep nothing inside. I try not to. Yeah. <laughs> Did you learn that? Is, is that is that in a view? Do you learn from your parents? I mean, because I will say, you know, and famously, right? Your father is very few like photos of him smiling. He was he had this sort of severe image about himself, right? And people know him though he wasn't that way, okay. um, for sure. I, I, but I wonder, sort of, um, you. Know, I guess it kind of goes back to the earlier question. It's like, is, is that is that is that yours alone, or was that taught by your parents? Did you see it around you? Because you do emanate a joy. He was the funniest person in the world. He was a funny brother. And, uh, <laughs> and he always, he was like the person in the family that kept stirring the pot and kept everybody's business. Everybody gave everybody's business away and then he called you up and he gets to laugh. And yeah, I told him. <laughs> <laughs> Man, calling people out. So, so he, you know, on stage and in pictures, yes, he was always very stern. This is his persona that he gave to the world. Yeah. But when he was at home, he would call you up and he would, the phone would ring and he'd say, hello. i say, hello. Oh, what are you doing? i said, daddy, this is you. <laughs> <laughs> he changed his voice. And, and, and you know, it, it got so, so, you know, he would call and he would, hello. And if my husband answered the phone, he would change his voice to go along with this stupid job. And they'd be on the phone using fake voices. John Lee Hooker, a voice impersonator. I love it. I love it. He, he was, he was, he had this little mischievous laugh. And he was so, so, and I mean, maybe that's why I got it from. Yeah, no, it, I, it, it, yeah. the joy I, comes I, out of you. Oh, God. I tell you, that song, there's a joy, 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 joy in my heart. 
and it really is because, you know, like I say, I lost my youngest son when he was 20 years old back in 1991. How do you lose him if you don't mind me asking? I don't accident. Oh man. He was coming home from work and he had worked the graveyard shift and he kind of dozed off and went over the uh, yellow line. Oh my God. Uh, and, uh, but, uh, you know, and I, I, after that, you know, you know, there is nothing more devastating to a parent than to lose a child. You know, it's, for me to even talk to other people about it who have children is just like devastating. They, you know, we don't even want to talk about that. You know, no. And, and so, you know, there are not many people you talk to, but what I do is when I run into people who have went there and who have suffered that, I, I'm there for them. Do you need to talk? Do you want to talk? Trust me when I say that you will, you will move on. You won't move on from the hurt and the pain because it's always there. But you will be able to move on with your life and you will experience joy again. You know, you will. And, and uh, that taught me that, you know, no matter how low you get, there's always a joy. There's always a joy. There are days when I have that, you know, I just stay away from people because I'm having a moment (laughs) and leave me alone. Let me sit in the corner. And the beauty of it is is my husband understands that when he sees me going there, he lets me go there because he knows that I have to go there. That's a good partnership. Uh, And then I'm able to come back and I'm refreshed and revived. But I was so blessed because I have two other great sons. And you know, they're like me. We laugh constantly. I got to show you something. Hold on. I got to show you something. Hold on. Hold on. Come back. Okay. I uh, I play harmonica, oh. and uh, that's my thing. And this is my harmonica case, right? Uh-huh. And so whenever I go on the stage and I open it up, and that's what's inside the case. Joy. <laughs> All right. So every night I go on stage, and this is this sits on stage, and it's just a reminder for uh for myself and, and everybody. And people, you ought to have joy, joy in your life, and does you let it stay open while you're performing, don't you? Oh yeah, it stays open all night. Okay. I, I walk on stage with it. I open it up and uh, stays there all night. When I leave, I, I close it and take it with me. Oh, so uh, I feel cool. like, uh, you know, blues, people think the blues is something that's about the absence of joy to me. I'm like, it's the very definition it's of the it. Essence of joy. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. Well, listen, I, I, I'm going to let you go. This, this, I'm so grateful to you. But thank you so much. Thank you for, for having me. Thank you. Isn't she amazing? She's just a uh, man. She's, I hope she makes the album that she wants to make. I mean, I, I'd like to hear her just lose her way and put the one wherever she wants to put it. <laughs> so Zakia, if you are down for that, I will be by your side. Uh, thank you to you. Thank you to your father, John Lee Hooker. Thanks to everyone listening. Uh, we'll see you next time on The Cause of It All. Yeah,